This is a Forwardly podcast. Dateline, Hollywood, California. There are eight million stories in the naked city. Why is it that Tinseltown can seem to tell those stories worth a damn? Never fear, dear listeners. There is a cure for this condition. Is there a doctor in the house? In fact, there's two. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Hollywood RX. The doctors are indignant. <laughs> That's our opinion, and we're sticking to it. And, of course, my indignant partner is always the fabulous <laughs> Dr. D. How are you, Dr. D? I am discombobulated. Oh, no. Uh, just, A, out of practice a little bit, but also I, the Santa Ana winds have got my head just swamped with, you know, I just can't think straight. I'm so congested and whatnot. So hopefully I won't do one of my terrible sneezes while we've got the mics on. But um, uh, how are you, Dr. G? Doing just fine. Excellent. Looking forward to this. Absolutely. Listeners, we we spent our Christmas vacation <laughs> catching up with the rest of Get Back, the Beatles documentary by Peter Jackson of... The recording of their final album. Now, Dr. D, yeah. I found out something about this movie mm. during Christmas break. Okay. That I don't know if you were aware of before. I wasn't aware of Jump in. What is but, it? Well, apparently, they actually did shoot this before COVID. And coincidentally, <laughs> realized they, oh, we got six people trapped in a room. How timely. <laughs> No, I hadn't. I hadn't heard that. I, I wasn't really up on the production of it as much. Uh, well, yeah, that's. Uh... So then they, they they went back and recut it and <laughs> to take advantage of gave a, us um, gave us get back. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, I guess we should do. It seems weird to do a quick take on something that we've already done quick takes on the first two parts of, but uh, just to get us back in the headspace, um, coming out of those first two, I was just fly on the wall fascinated by what I was seeing uh, the, the peeking behind the curtain watching the creative process not just of these you know I'll say geniuses lads, lads yes but but also the, the creation of songs that are now iconic uh, it's just incredible um, and so I was very much looking forward to well, seeing how the drama played out, how did they end up on that rooftop after all those conversations of different ways they were going to, they could possibly do it and where and what, how would that come off being? And I've seen bits and pieces footage of that, but never sort of in the larger sense in context. No. Uh, and it does a great job of the context. There's a lot to, there's a lot to cover in that yeah. rooftop concert. And, uh, Certainly. and I thought they did an, an excellent job there. That's my sort of quick take on the last thing. Do you have anything you want to say before just jumping in? No, I say, let's just jump, jump in. away. Well, you know, um, it's funny because as soon as it started within five minutes, I realized why, even though I'd been looking forward to the rooftop concert and more of Billy Preston playing. Yeah. Um, I realized why I was dreading this part is because 
all the songs I don't like were like crammed into this oh into into this episode into part three <laughs> starts off with octopus's garden which yeah. to me is about as bad a foot as you can get off on for anything <laughs> okay yeah but then let it be and no long and winding road and you uh, know and you know they eventually get get down to business the closer we get to the uh <laughs> To the rooftop concert there. That you're discarding but, uh, Let It Be and Long and Winding Road so handily is uh, just uh, astonishing to me. But um, yeah, even when I was a kid, I hated Long and Winding Road. Okay, okay. Now, that's, it's it's like a glorified backing track. It needs something. It needs something. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, then then here's the good news. Right from the start, you and I are going to be at odds with one another. Because uh, unlike our previous conversations about the first two parts, I was taking chronological notes on this. So I do have, if not scene by scene, at least I have, you know, my thoughts in chronological order um, here. And I will say that I agree with you in the extent that if you're going to put yesterday, if you're going to put something in the audio hall of fame and it has to be one of the Beatles songs... It's not going to be, you know, uh, uh, Yellow Submarine, and, and it's not going to be, uh, uh, they're going to put me in the movies. Um, and they're all, it's not going to be any of the ones that, that, uh, that Ringo was the, the leader on. So Octopus's Garden is not something I ever want. Oh, good, Octopus's Garden. You turn on the radio and you catch Octopus's Garden and you get all excited. No, but I was immediately touched by the sight of George Harrison joining Ringo whereas Ringo introduces this thing with no shame I might add <laughs> no True. It yes like he was duly noted yes <laughs> um, and he just has a fragment of it and they begin to massage the melody and 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 in a way George yeah. almost starts teaching him the song he wrote you know what I mean like it was this weird thing and and George yeah. Martin kind of sidles up, and he he jumps in, and they're yeah. eventually joined by everybody. And I just the communal. I started nature throwing of that popcorn. <laughs> started throwing popcorn at the screen. I was like, "Don't do it, George!" Oh my god! Just walk away. Just walk away. Well, I found it quite touching that that, uh, and and just if you think about the dynamic of George having felt for such a long time like he was sidelined as a songwriter right. in that environment. And here he was kind of uh, coaxing out <laughs> one of these gems out of Ringo. <laughs> he didn't say, he didn't come up and say, stick to the drumming. He, he really yeah, actually right. tried to get him to. Yeah. Oh, that sounds good, mate. Work on yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, no. Okay. So from the beginning, right off the bat, we're not, uh, we're not, um, Agreeing, and then very, yeah. Go on. No, no, no good. Uh, mine is just nonsense, but I'll say it anyway. Shortly after that, what I was unhappy to see was the arrival of all the wives and children. You so, know, it's really funny because yeah. at some point I was standing there watching, and they they have a shot of, you know, like fifteen people in the control room, yeah. and George Martin standing there in the doorway, and I'm thinking to myself, he must just be fuming inside. <laughs> None of this nonsense, this family reunion going on in the control room right, and right. kids climbing on the board. Yeah. Uh, his his, his by-the-clock EMI days. Right. And then within five minutes, I believe, 
he 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 finally steps in and says, you know, come on, lads, I'll set you right. Yeah, right. And he kind of gets it going, and then snaps it up. Right. Well, yeah. what I was going to say was, uh, and, and honestly, my initial reaction was, there's too many kids here now. Um, but what I really didn't like was. Heather McCartney is the little blonde girl who shows up and she starts talking about being a cat and having a cat. And John says, oh, did you eat your cat? And she's like, no, I wouldn't eat a, eat a cat. And he goes, well, people do. And I'm like, why do we need to go there? This little girl is playing in a cat fantasy. Why do you need to bring up the fact that around the world people are eating cats? How does I'll that help her? No, I I, I, I kind of had a little revelation. Oh, this. really? Because maybe this is maybe this is well known or or, or much discussed amongst uh, Beatle files, yeah. and I don't know it because I'm not in those circles. But um, in in the first part that we recorded for this, I had commented on how John is joking all the time, and and how yes. it just you know it gets on your nerves after a while because it's just like anything someone says becomes this you know this imagined setup for for a joke yeah and when i thought and watching him again here doing that i kind of thought back to john's relationship with the press which was always a little bit fraught i don't think he ever cared for the press from the get-go uh there's certainly plenty of opportunity uh, plenty of occasions in the press when the press was not kind to him right um and i think it's pretty well known that you know, he he would just come to resent the press being... There. Certainly by this point, he has had several run-ins with the press and written songs even about, you know, how they interfere and so on and so forth. Yeah, I, I think that he's actually quoted in one interview as being asked by a journalist, by an American journalist, what is it you, what is it you like the least about coming over here? And he said, you. <laughs> right, but that's not, that's not Ed Sullivan trip. That Ed Sullivan trip, no, but, no, no, but no, eventually... No. When, That's yeah. true. But um, I also thought about when you see him in those press conferences yeah. in the beginning, and he starts... There's a point at which he starts giving these 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 jabbing answers mm-hmm. to, to questions and then snarky comments. And I think this is... That this was just his... This was his coping mechanism. Mm. And I think the fact that cameras were there the whole time they were rehearsing and recording just brought, just sort of instinctually just brought up this, oh, my life's being documented. Well, I'm going to be a wise ass and and give you something. That's very interesting that, that I wasn't seeing any of them as kind of playing for the camera, but that he might very well have. That's That's kind of insightful that... What I'm interpreting is them all just being the lads together is, in fact, possibly um, part of it is for show a little bit. That's interesting. Uh, well, point well taken. I, I just and, wonder if that's where his obnoxiousness is coming from. Right. In, that's, uh, that's interesting. Um, eventually, my initial reaction was, oh, not kids. Eventually, I kind of warmed to some of their presence in that you know, that the kids are playing and they're singing along and, and it became to feel more like a, like a, like a family camp out or something than it did necessarily a morning where they got a lot of work done. But um, I, I ended up appreciating it a little bit uh, more. But on the other hand, 
There was this thing in my head, having seen the calendar and having seen them cross out, you know, hey, this is how many days we have. I'm sitting there going, guys, there's two and a half fucking days left. Stop fucking around. You don't have time. You're not, you, you don't have even written all these songs yet. What are you doing? So there was part of me that was made very anxious about um, the kind of, let's just have a morning where we goof off. What is it? What it felt like. Yeah. Um, and then we had another little glimpse into, you know, they're, they're working on log and winding road and Paul is being so bossy again. Like, this is how you need to be doing it. He's telling, he's telling Ringo how to drum. And I'm like, dude. Yeah. He, he, he's at a point where he wants to be the band leader. I think so. He, he doesn't feel the need for John's input anymore. And well, and there's even a point at which while they're working on long and winding road, I don't know why I brought up Ringo as an example, but uh, there's shots of him sleeping. Now, who knows how much of this stuff is like exactly going with whatever's going on. You know, like they could move a shot of him right. sleeping. Anyway. Was he asleep at that moment? Right, right. Yeah. But I mean, there, there's a shot there. It's a shot of him sleeping. And then there's sort of more random shots of the room. And then you hear Paul say, there wouldn't be much drumming here, would there? It, there wouldn't be much drumming here, would there be? And then they go back and he's asleep. I just, I thought that was really funny. They're like, oh yeah, this is my yeah. point to catch up. Uh, but I can't imagine the way, the way they were all. I mean, they're going out at night. I, I don't really have a, a solid sense of what their hours were when they were working on this, but it seemed like they didn't do anything before eleven a.m. or noon. That's quite possible. And then sometimes they were going out to, you know, they were up till who knows when i mean like I, it just seems crazy the hours they were keeping and still turning this stuff well, out you know that's uh that, that's the swing and rock life babe that's how it that's how that's how it rolls you book a studio for a month and you just you know you got to go when the magic's on right right <laughs> and then he's doing let's see let's see let's see I, I lost my place here what's what's the next thought on your um agenda well just that you know they're they're there were always two distinct periods of their music that I do not care for. And oddly enough, yeah. they're both easy. They're more easily identifiable visually than musically. Hmm. Sergeant Pepper. Correct. I hate all that no. like frilly. Yeah. Well then I band uniform. John's handlebar mustache. <laughs> no. Oh. Yeah. I that's fast. Uh, then the only Can't. thing I can think of is like magical mystery tour or something. Well, it's around though. This is around the same tier period. Yeah. Yes, the two-headed Hydra. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, <laughs> and uh, and Paul's neckbush beard. <laughs> well, you've got plenty of that throughout this. <laughs> right. So uh, again, another like yeah, kind of not looking forward to this. Another two hours of his neck beard. Right. Yeah. He's he's yeah. <clears throat> That's funny. Um, but you know, I, I would have to say overall that if anything, uh, point three, a uh, part three, yeah. just uh, solidified the point to me that part two is at least a half hour too long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I I I would rather that it was. Well, this is also like this is a two hour thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, this one. Or was this? This was two. Yeah, I mean. The first part just ends so beautifully. Mm -hmm. And there's not too much to chop out of part three. Right. I mean, you almost I you know. can almost see them as acts 
And the yeah, second I think act, part two just needs to be shorter. The second act is bloated, which is often what happens when you're constructing yeah. a, you know, think about the second Lord of the Rings movie. I mean, they're all endless, but. Oof. Oh, and that's yeah, Peter no, Jackson, I mean, so there you go. <laughs> hey, hey, you may as well call this uh, part two, you may as well call it the long and winding down. <laughs> that's... We'll cut that into the previous episode. Um <laughs> we might uh, <coughs> but um, yeah no I, I, I love the rooftop concert I love <coughs> I love the the hidden camera in the lobby of the Apple building not so much because of the fact that it was there right but because when it's introduced to us we see George looking at it like are you for real <laughs> and then laughing and walking away <laughs> Right, like, right. But I mean, okay. I had things to say. Hats off to them for being able to to keep it quiet enough in there that no one figured it out. Right, right. The camera itself, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> and the pe- and and the people in it. Right. Yeah. Oh. Just... <laughs> That's right. There's somebody inside that box. Two or three hours. How long was it? You know, it was a while. I don't know. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I cut you off. I didn't mean. I wasn't quite ready to jump ahead to the rooftop concert. If you have nothing, oh. if you have nothing between here and the rooftop, nothing unless it comes up when you start. So yeah, I just had a lot of little flashes while stuff was going on. Oh, I know. I remember I was saying about the the kids being there, and at first it bothered me. Yeah. But at some point, like it bothered me when they would all be in the. It's so funny when in the actual re- recording studio it bothered me, like the the bigger area. But when they would go into the booth, I didn't dislike it and it was the one thing you mentioned is like, what are all these kids doing in the booth um, and there's a point at which they're listening to playback and John has probably Heather on his shoulders and she's brushing his hair and I don't know there's just mm. something about that having been a you know having had somebody when I had hair uh, <laughs> I've had kids on my shoulder and playing with my hair and it was just very triggering in a good way for me um, uh Doing the, they're doing the covers of Shake, Rattle, and Roll in Kansas City. Yeah. They're playing all these old songs that they used to love. They're all having so much fun. Even Billy is in there, got a big smile on his face, just sort of jamming and, and, and you know. And then they go back and they they play it back and, and, and Paul and John are dancing together in the booth listening to uh, Blue Suede Shoes. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's just yeah, so yeah. much, um, after having seen so much sort of tension... It, it really did seem to be uh, to unlock a lot of that. It was all part of having that group there. I think it, the group of people, family and friends, rather than just the room being rooms being filled with all of these hangers on and, and not necessarily loved ones. Um, Qu- quite possibly, yes. Um, and again, that the presence of family may have uh, tampered or. Uh, or uh, dampened yeah not dampened uh softened Softened the edges some of the yeah the edges of reactions and so there was something i was in touch with more here than i was in the in the first two installments which was sort of like they'd be sitting around they'd be drinking wine they'd be having fun they're relaxed they start singing for example uh don't let me down and and then a thing appears on the screen that says this is the take that's in the in the uh, let it be album right right and and so you have a sense of just how drunk Paul is 
when he sings that song. You've listened to the song a hundred times. You never thought that guy must have been drunk. Or, you know, before the guitar kicks in, <clears throat> George is emptying a, a wine glass into his mouth and then starts playing his lead. And I'm like, just to have sort of like the, the fabric of these things is just so um, incredible to me. Um, I, I just, ha I was so much more, I don't know, relaxed watching this one than I was during the first two, which had so much, to me, there was all this underlying tension about what are we doing? Where is it going? Not just in terms of the project, but also in a way in terms of the band. And you kind of lost that a little bit here. Well, I, you know, I, I, I think they were a little more relaxed. I think it was a continuation of the Billy Preston presence. And, and once he came around, everything kind of... right. The, the the mood changed quite a bit. Uh, absolutely. So, I mean, and so it was just sort of them rehearsing for the last couple of days. So you often hear the same song or parts of the same songs over and over again, where they keep starting it and then stopping. And there's a little bit of getting impatient with each other. Um, but then it does, then the day is finally there. And it got bumped another day. You're like, oh, Christ. Well, at least they have another day to practice. Because <laughs> <laughs> it rained or something. It's because they could use yeah. it. <laughs> and... Um, and then it finally the day is there. So what was your sort of take on the... Um... Uh, of the concert yeah, the... or the sequence? Well, the sequence. Um, like, well, like we said at the top of the show, I thought the sequence itself was great. Um, I loved the uh, the hidden camera in the lobby. <laughs> as, as improbable as it seemed that they would be able to get away with it not making noise. But I, I like the fact that when it was introduced, they sort of look around the lobby and then they show... They, they, they pan up to George Martin... Right, <laughs> standing there looking at it like, are you for real? And then just walking on. Right, right. But what's kind of amazing about that, that little bit of it, is that they had the presence of mind to understand that the lobby was going to want to have a camera in it. Yeah. And a hidden camera. Yeah, so they must have been anticipating a, police, a hidden trouble camera of some that, kind. Yeah. Um, and so... To me, that whole last hour, which is pretty much the whole rooftop sequence, is just phenomenal all by itself as just an encapsulated thing. Um, with We've got the fly on the wall that we've always had with the band, and now we have that same feeling up on the roof because there's like 10 cameras up there covering everything. But they also did fly on the wall in the lobby because they had a hidden camera in there. And then sort of almost right. fly on the wall on the streets because I'm assuming I'm assuming all that all those interviews in the street were conducted by the filmmakers and not by some other random that could have been the news out there. Right, right. I assume it was all intentional, and so it was really kind of wonderful to have all these different areas of action. And because what they're playing up there are songs that we've heard many times, and they did them more than once in some cases. It was okay to cut away from them. It was okay to cut away from the Beatles to show other areas of drama or reaction because you could still hear them in the background and you weren't really missing the important. Because you could see how you could just use only the footage from the roof and never bother with the lobby or the... Right. But the, the drama in the lobby is fantastic with DC Bragg and, and uh, Ray Bragg and I don't know what the other guy's name was and these two little pimply faced essentially you know 
police constables who are way over their heads with these devious, diabolical music and film people. And receptionists. And receptionists. What a great job yeah. she did stonewalling, you know. know. Oh, they're recording an album. Right. Yes, but they're on the roof. Oh, I don't know anything about right. that. Right. Yeah. I don't even think they admitted <laughs> that they were on the roof at first. They were just like, oh, no, those are the PAs. And we have them up. No, no, they... <clears throat> yeah. At some point they did, yeah. Eventually they, 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 they tripped to it. Um, and just how... At one point... Uh, no, no, okay. no, go. Well, at one point... Uh, I think it was it's it's, it's when the the magistrate or the other yeah. the, not the magistrate but the the constable right. no, the someone next comes guy, in and, the guy with the mustache yeah. comes you know what's all this then right I'm expecting heads and to roll they, and they're saying something about like you know she says something like oh we can't have many other people out there because of concern that the other roof won't hold the weight right. which I hadn't thought of and now I'm like oh shit and they're like jumping up and down to these rickety boards right. and I'm like eh. right um but then the only time I thought, oh, this could go really bad really fast is when the guy who owned the building across the oh, street yeah, came in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Into the yeah, lobby. Yeah. Thank God they had a camera in the lobby. That guy was not gonna put, no. was not putting up with any stonewalling no, no. or anything. No. That guy was fit to be tied. Yeah. And he's not wrong. Like no, he's not. I see. I can't imagine why they didn't just kind of get all that straightened out ahead of time, get permits and da da da, da and whatever, and just then they'd be bulletproof. But I'm delighted that they didn't. Well, I think again, there's a, there, there's a little uh, kind of stick it to the stick it to the man undercurrent here I, because I guess so, but you know if they had well. It, they didn't have to set up on the roof of the building if they were going to do an outdoor an outdoor a pop-up performance right. like that they could have just as easily loaded it into a van and done this on the roof of a building next to the university we'd have a much more responsive right. positively responsive right. crowd right. almost you know, almost with a feel of the summer I, of soul kind of crowd you know would gather with yeah yeah, I mean, you know, would would, would it college kids have called the nine one one? No, but, probably but not. The, the administrators would. Um, not if, well, not if it's not a school building. But I'm just saying, I think, I think, doing it on the roof of a building in the financial district, or you know, yes. wherever that was. You know what? Okay, I'm gonna they say to, I'm gonna they, say that they had to know police were coming, and that's why there was a camera. There. I'm gonna say that all of that is is fair on your part. I'm gonna float some other things uh, to counter that and to go along with that, um, or to f explore it further. Is that? But it's not the Beatles themselves who are sticking it to the man. It's it's essentially this production around them, which doesn't necessarily yes. have have that reputation or that right um but here's the other thing is that it went from oh we're gonna go and we're gonna get on planes and ships and we're gonna travel to the edge of a uh, you know thing and we're gonna be in a mausoleum and it went from all of this grandness of where they could perform a concert mm -hmm. and then i think in the end all they could manage to do was to get the four of them to go up three flights of stairs. Yeah, yeah. That it was the shortest possible distance for those guys to go to do anything. Or, or literally the least amount of travel time yes. they would have to do right. to get to the gig. Right. And to, uh, you know, and just go up and do it. And then it turns out it's not, they're not standing in front of 
a thousand or a hundred people playing 15 songs, they went up to the roof and recorded five of them or whatever that number was that they did up there. Yeah. And so it became much more like manageable, less overwhelming and actually doable. Because can you imagine them having tried to do any of those things they talked about doing in the beginning? There's no way. They barely were ready to run up the stairs. It, it, it's very amusing in this day and age to think of them possibly doing a concert in the middle, the middle of the desert, in the Middle East. Oh, yeah. No, it's... On the ruins of you know, right. Persepolis yeah. or whatever they were. Whatever they were coming Whatever they with. were going to uh, desecrate. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, not out of the question that somebody thought of it. I think you might not even be able to get someone to think of it now. Because your brain would just go, no, that's not something that <laughs> we can't do that. So you don't even, you don't right, even say right. it out loud. Let alone say it out loud over and over and over again the way, <laughs> way that guy did. Um, but uh, so I loved, I loved the drama between the police and and that there were so many people down below that seemed to be like thumbs up on it. But then there were the few like they shouldn't be doing. It. I was asleep, you know. There was a woman going, they woke me from my yeah. nap. For this historic event. Um, like she can't go back to sleep another time. Um, but She's on a, you know, a pretty rigid schedule there. You know, um, when you're retired in England. Right. On the dole. So I, 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 I love the man on the street uh, bits and pieces. And also I love that, that people not only, some people knew not only that it was the Beatles, but she would go, oh, that's John singing. Or that's Paul singing. Yeah. And I was like, wow, because that's pretty intense. I can't always do that. I, I can sort of do really? it now. I can do it now, but it's it's part of it is the vocal of like how their voice sounds. But part of it is also what is the message or content of the song? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, when I was... Yeah. Because John isn't going to yeah. sing Imagine, or John isn't going to sing... John does I'm sorry, imagine. Paul... Paul isn't going to sing Imagine. You know what I'm saying. There are certain songs that are more John and certain songs that are more Paul. And Right. Um, Imagine's one of his solo songs. You know that. Yes, I do. I got it wrong in several okay. ways. Okay. We can, all right. We can all right. cut all this out. Just checking. No, we, the hell we will. <laughs> I think I think oh, Paul should have sung the ballad of John and Yoko, frankly. Did he? <laughs> no, he did not. Oh, thank no. God. Thank God. Um, and listen... Here's something else I wanted to say that sort of occurred to me while I was watching is that there's something kind of uh, beautiful to me about the fact that they're playing on this roof. They started with all these grand, big ideas and every path they explored just sort of fizzled out. And um, playing on the roof, it became this strange kind of combination of playing just for a few people. Like there's some people in the street and there are a few people around them on rooftops who got to the roofs of their own buildings. Um, but mostly all of those people that they're quote-unquote playing for are at a distance and some of them can't even be seen the ones on the street the band can't see those they can probably only right. see uh, uh two dozen people beyond the people who are there for them the top couple of floors yeah. of the building across right the yeah, street. yeah people yeah. hanging out windows and stuff um so in a way it became more about the music and less about the madness of the crowds because they stopped touring because it all just became so un workable right the logistics of having all these people so they eliminated the physical presence of the people but then the people could still hear them almost like a radio concert yeah in a way but it was just it was just like an interesting kind of like 
Um, what's the word when you when you? Uh... <laughs> so terrible. You're having an argument with somebody. You want one thing, they want another, and you agree on something in the middle. Marriage. <laughs> Is that the word you're looking for? <laughs> Compromise. <laughs> that the, the ah yeah, <laughs> the okay, roof, I've heard of that. Roof, yeah. yeah, well, it's right next to marriage in the dictionary. Um, I see. Yeah, so that this this being on the roof is this sort of compromise of all these different things, but there's something kind of to me it was kind of um, beautiful about about it was that they didn't have to deal with the crowds, but they could still be playing for people. In a weird kind of way, it's it's almost a, it almost has an intimacy like the Cavern Club days. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. The number of people, not only on their roof, but on the surrounding th- roofs, was probably the same as if they'd played in a small nightclub. Uh, I be yeah, if not a little, yeah. That's interesting, and I, I liked I, I liked when they when they would split the screen in three, so you yeah, a couple times yeah. you'd see John, uh, Paul, and George at the I'm same. I'm always moment. leery when yeah when they start to do that because invariably, you know, the thing I want to look at the most is one of the small squares, you know, <laughs> right? And, and here they they seem to there were a couple of times they just made them equally sized across the screen. And um, yeah, the, the visually they did a good balance yeah. with minimal cropping. Yeah, no, they did they they did a fine job. Right. Um, and a couple of these songs, you know, like I've got a feeling the second time they played it on the roof. Mm-hmm. You know, watching uh, Paul is singing with like such ferocity, and he's 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 just the playfulness and. There's such joy in his face. I, I, I just, I, I loved it. And, I, and, and now I have that to kind of carry with me when I hear those songs hmm. again is, is being able to, to, to have the circumstance of the recording sort of hardwired into my experience of the song. Yeah. Well, I think that that's, that's part of the reason why they indicated, you know, this, this track, you know, this, this take is, is the, the one heard on the yeah. album. Is yeah to give you that sense not of not of the previous five hours of watching them <laughs> perform that song, right? But this is the act like you're watching them record the actual version yeah. you grew up on. Yeah. <laughs> and what's funny is that that th- what we see as the third cop, he's got a mustache and he's clearly in his forties, and he's the sense of right. the Graham Chapman. Yeah, exactly, exactly. When he gets to the roof, there's a third. Uh, constable up there who we haven't seen before so they gained a <laughs> yeah gained i a noticed guy. that too and he gets up and it still doesn't end immediately they get to just because um, you you see everyone conferring in the corner while the while the boys are playing these amazing songs you see in the background you know people trying to talk the cost so that they can just finish the song or whatever it is um and i think so once he got there i think they finished the one they were doing and they launched into another one but when that one was done, it was it was over. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was funny that like you know, those two policemen get up there and then sort of hang yeah, out. Yeah, right. It doesn't change anything. They had no authority. They carried no authority Slipped at all. up in the moment. Yeah. yeah. And also, you have to imagine that these guys are like. 
the Beatles are like like royalty. So it's really, you know, it, they don't even have to say, do you know who I am? You know, that the hardwiring right. of the British people would be to defer to these guys rather than, you know, almost like they were Canadians. Right, you one know. would think. But then they, they do, they wrap it up and they start taking things down and the camera goes down into the street and you start seeing the crowds breaking up a little bit. And I had this flash watching that, this very intense flash of the very last scene, the very last shots of uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail where the police come in and break up a, a uh, there's a, a charge coming right. down the hillside and, you know, somebody reaches out and puts their hand on a camera and, and, you know, prevents the documentary from continuing, you know, in, in the fictional, right. in the fictional thing. And I, and I started to wonder, well, clearly, uh, because Harrison was involved with, uh, with the pythons in terms of providing money for them to make some of these movies, but I don't think he was involved uh, at that time, I think he got involved with um, nope. a life of Brian. I think you're right. Famously saying that that he he paid to have the movie made because he wanted to see it. It's the most anyone's ever paid for a, a movie ticket was to pay to have it made. Oh, I love it. That's a great quote. So I'm mangling it, but it's uh, I'm in there somewhere. And then you have this moment afterwards where they're all down in the in the sound booth and playing back. And now, and, and there's just, uh, it's the four of them, but then there's also, I think there are wives in there. I think there are a lot of extra people. And you don't see, you don't really see the George Martin types and the, you know, Glenn, all the different. Glenn Jones. Glenn Jones. Yeah. You don't see the other people who you had been. It's just kind of like the family, the inner circle, listening yeah. to it and, and just really digging on it with Billy. Uh, there too, just this incredible smile across his face the whole time. I loved, I loved what he uh, he brought to it. And then you you're occasionally hearing voices from off screen that would be Glenn's John or whatever. And at one point, I th I swear to God, I heard what I thought was the voice, uh, and I don't know if you'll get this of Sir Dennis Eaton Hogg. Well, that's Lindsay Michael Hogg's father. <laughs> Who is he? Uh, it's uh, Michael It's Lindsay Patrick Hogg. McNee in Spinal Tap. He's just one of the sort of um, pompous record, record executive type guys. Or no, he's a manager for them. He's the one that runs around with a cricket bat, bat and threatens yes, people. Yeah. <clears throat> but it sounded just like him. I you know, I'll tell you a little little tidbit about uh Michael Lindsay Hogg. Yes. The esteemed director of Let It Be, the original documentary. Yeah, yeah. So they mentioned they reference a few times um throughout this thing, but mostly in this in the third part. Um this Rolling Stones film called the rock and roll circus mm, yeah yeah michael Lindsay hogg had directed just before this um and that was famous for being this shoot that took a long time filmed live in the tv studio with an audience there and it took something it took a i think more than half a day mm. to shoot everything but um most famously um it never got aired I think the Stones somehow, I think they were afraid that they were upstaged by the Who, who perform in there, oh. and it didn't get released until 20 years ago, right, right, something like that. Um, so I just find it funny that back to back, you know, he's 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 got these you know projects with the two biggest rock and roll bands, yeah, uh, in the globe, arguably two, but. 
and yeah. fumbles both balls. <laughs> now, here's the tidbit. Yes. The rumor is mm-hmm. that he is, in fact, the illegitimate son of Orson Welles and Geraldine Page. Are you kidding? No. Where are you getting that? Or that's just floating around for years? It's out there. Oh, okay. oh no, it's out there. No, it's uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, I mean, it's I'm on making the Wikipedia it up. page. You can look it up. Right. No, 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 no. I mean, it's. Uh, wow. But if 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 you were to ever watch again any any of the clips from this from Get Back, uh, there are several times where he's standing there with his proud look on and his big long cigar right. or his pipe and, and suddenly the resemblance is uh, it's kind of understandable. Right. Um, I think what's the most telling thing is that he inherited from his dad shooting something and ending up with miles of film and no project. That's what I was going to say but you said it much better than I could have. Uh, um, yes, I'm not sure if that sort of thing is genetic, but uh, someone should look into that. Proof is in the pudding. I have I have only one more thing to touch on for this um, before I shift into something else. I think it was earlier in this in this one before the rooftop part of it, somewhere in the first thirty minutes or so, where George I I know what you're gonna where say. George yeah. is talking to John. And he says, he's saying um, how he would like to do an album that was just all his music. And John, and John kind of not, he's he very cautious and bringing it up in this very sort of non-threatening way. And John misunderstands and thinks, oh yeah, we could do a Beatles album where it goes, yeah, George is doing his thing on this Beatles album. And George circles back on it and goes, well, no, kind of what I meant was that each, you know, it would be nice if we could, any of us could go off and do our own thing and so that it wouldn't change what we have here but would be something else different outside of this. I'm paraphrasing him terribly. Mm-hmm. And John doesn't really kind of <clears throat> connect with that. But I just found it very sweet that, mm. that you know, clearly that's what within I don't know how much time. What I was missing from, and probably it's silly of me to want to, but how long after this was shot are the Beatles done because George gets to go off and make his albums that he wants to but I thought it was very sweet the way he brought it up I think within six Six months months. I think by the end of the year it was shot in January 69 oh yeah Um, I know that they broke up by the time it was by the time the film was released and the album um, I don't. I, I would have to look it up. I'm not sure because, in point of fact, they recorded Abbey Road after this. Ah, uh, okay. Which and you hear a couple of little bits of John and Billy working out. Uh, I want you. She's so heavy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like very, very embryonic mm-hmm. fragments. Um. So, yeah. Let's say within a year. I'm okay. I'm fuzzy That's on okay. the month and date right. when they broke up. Um, and I think George was the first one out with a solo album. I think he. Oh, I imagine he was. He had everything locked and loaded. Yeah, I think if you don't count the uh, John Yoko Plastic Ono Band Live Piece in Toronto, 
I think George is it. I'm going to look it up as soon All as right, we the first, end first this, studio, and I'll find out I'm wrong kind of and album. be mortified. <laughs> no. Overdub's coming. You're among friends here. Uh, so were you thinking of the other Beatles documentary while we... Well, I... While you were watching this? I, I had never seen and had always meant to see Eight Days a Week, not, not Get Back. I didn't realize you hadn't seen Eight Days a Week. I had not week. seen Eight Days a Week. I had had a mental note to do it, and this it was available before I was such an avid streamer. I was, you know, I'm an old donkey, so <laughs> figuring that stuff out was beyond me. Um, and so I, I made it a... It, I sort of had to choose between do I want to see... Do I want to see Let It Be, or do I want to see Eight Days a Week? I mean, theoretically, I could have seen both, but I felt like seeing um, <clears throat> Let It Be might be anticlimactic or something. Um, more of an exercise in observation than kind of enjoyment. Anyway. Now that's the long and winding <laughs> That is. Okay. All right. Um, that's funny. So... Yeah, I so I saw I saw eight days uh, eight days a week, which is Ron Howard um, putting yep. together sort of from found footage, but also from from uh, interviews and newsreels and, news and, and from the time he, press conferences, yeah, and things like yeah, that. he's yeah. Uh, all included in the sort of found found footage is the wrong thing, but pulling all these pieces together. You know, I wasn't going to correct you; I was just going to let you let you <laughs> let me be wrong. Anyway, the horse is out of the gate. Yeah, let it's him too go. Late now. Um, and I found, I found this movie, I'm not going to go into great, great detail. I'll, I'll spotlight a couple things, but I found it a great companion piece to get back, particularly to watch it after, which is what I did after I'd finished. Really? Third, Cause I would, I would, I would recommend someone see them the other, the other way, way around. around. I would see eight days a week. I'll first, tell you just if you want to see the progression of the band. Well, if you are familiar with the band already yeah if you'd never heard of the band you might want to do it the other way absolutely but in in the defense of my statement or whatever in the explanation of my statement eight days a week is is built the documentary is built from footage from i wouldn't say the very beginning of their career but sort of when they it's about the touring years it's about when things blew up for them internationally and right. you see them uh, the joy of what they're doing is much more present. So after after watching the, all of the tensions that existed in, you don't see any of those tensions in eight days a week because it's not fly on the wall. You just get to see them performing and running away from crowds and 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 having snappy retorts with the with the press and all of the stuff that made them all so lovable and accessible and everything else at the beginning. And so for me, it was this sort of travel back in time. It was also, I was surprised by how kind of I was moved by seeing Brian. Brian Epstein. Brian, Brian Epstein. Ep yeah, Epstein. They say Epstein in this. So I, I guess I'm going with Epstein now. But Oh, I guess you're right. Um, I just chalked it up to the, like the British right. thing. But seeing as he was British, they're probably um, so Epstein. So, because he's he's he's... He's absent in physical form from the Get Back documentary, but he's there as a ghost. And here you actually get to see him mm -hmm. and, and, you know, hear him and hear people talk about him. And then the other thing that makes it an interesting balance is that Get Back is really fly on the wall. It is only here's what happened that day there. 
and there's no editorializing and there's no commenting on it, really. But because Eight Days a Week is structured with interviews or recollections of people now of what was going on then, it has that different dynamic where they have, you know, both uh, Paul and Ringo comment, but many other kind of, and then it also has people who are f famous now, but who were fans when they were young. Maybe, you know, like Whoopi Goldberg had seen them live somewhere, and 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 uh, Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver, yes, had seen them live, and so it's kind of fun to see those people talk about, you know, before they were who we know them to be, how that music, you know, uh, affected them. I'm, I'm amazed that they were able to find young Sigourney Weaver in the old footage. Oh yeah, yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> No, it's, it's, uh, so I, I just think, feel like there's, um, let me see, uh, just some different quotes that popped out of me. Somebody, uh, one of the guys in the band said, oh, I actually think it was because they also have interviews with George Harrison and, uh, John Lennon that were after this time period, but obviously before they passed. So, right. um, and I think it was George it was maybe George who said he had a vision of us regarding Brian Epstein. He had a vision of us beyond the one we had of ourselves. And that's just such yeah. a beautiful way to put it, that they had pictured themselves being X and he knew how to make it X squared. You know, they were going to be yeah. in the leather jackets and the rough and tumble type boys and whatever it was. And he's like, no, you're going to put on suits and suits. <laughs> you know, you're going to get your hair cut and this is how it's going to work. And he just exploded it. I mean, yeah. Um, they uh, they apparently just erected a statue of him in Liverpool. Really? Wow. And I think it is the first statue in Liverpool of some of uh, really of someone who was gay. No. Oh, okay. Of, of someone who was gay. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's so. F the man had discovered the. Well, bands. I'm glad. I, I'm glad that they have found their way there. Um, you know, you don't think of like because that's got to be a real working class, dirty fingernail. You know, type. Sure, but type I mean, place. they the Liverpool's, you know, worn the Beatles on their. Lapel oh, that's true. On its lapel for you know years. Right. It's not. I don't think it would be that much of a stretch. Oh, okay. In Liverpool. Um. So, and there were a couple other things I just wanted to touch on briefly. There's a beat where they're doing a, a, a DC uh, concert, Washington, DC, mm -hmm. and they add the Beatles and they all come running out and Ringo's drums are facing the wrong direction yeah. and they have to, they have, you know, guys are coming out trying to turn them back around. And I'm like, how would you possibly set those up wrong? Like, I want to be privy to the argument, the conversation between the two dumbheads. Who did it that way? Now you, you face the other Where's that way. fly on the wall yeah, footage? Right, that fly yeah. on the wall footage. Oh, they wouldn't even be British, but um, so that was kind of just like these little things. There's a thing where these it's a stadium full of like football hooligans singing She Loves You. There's no music. Right. It's 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 two thousand guys who an hour later are beating each other up in an alley in alleys around the place because they're their team didn't win. Right. And they're all singing She Loves You. And it's just so, like, amazing. It's not like it's a concert where they're singing it. It's a football game that hasn't started or is, you know, well, I say football, yeah. but we all know what I mean. We, their um, football. <laughs> their football. 
Um, there, there, there's one moment that always struck me in eight days a week. Uh, yeah. Which is really funny in light of Get Back. But I think it's either... It's either like uh, it's either at the DC concert or it's the Shea Stadium concert, but yeah. there's a there's a uh, an audio clip of George saying, "Yeah, that was the moment where I realized I don't want to do this. This isn't healthy. Like how it's just funny that you know he was the one who apparently was the first to say, ooh, to recognize this is a toxic environment. If right, it, if this right. keeps on." That- and then years later, he's yeah. the one who walks out. He's the one who talks about going solo first. It's just interesting. He's 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 always sort of pushing that that button. Yeah, bit. that he he could recognize that that there was something just inherently the, wrong like, and unhealthy about taxing it. Yeah. on one's soul. Yeah, and this is before yeah, they yeah. got to India. Yeah, that I think that was Shay. I don't think that was DC. Um, and it would make sense for it to be Shay because that was out of control. I mean, you can't even hear them on the recordings. That was all the you case can hear with, is screaming. Yeah, that's the case with most of with, with yeah. a lot of their live shows. But I think that was the first one where it was like beyond the pale. Right. Um, but they they also have sort of man on the street stuff in this one, much as they do in the other. I will say that in Get Back, the person interviewing people on the streets is not very good at doing it. Terrible. Terrible. terrible you know who you're listening to you know yeah do you buy their understand. records yeah like right it's, it's it's the best you could do yeah um they they got what they got it was the people who made themselves stand out and made themselves interesting but in uh in eight days a week they have one where it's a- adrian from brooklyn i'm a the beatle is a fantastic i love i'm pledging my love to paul mccartney even when i reach age 105 i'm still gonna love paul mccartney she was so fantastic. Yeah. Oh my God. She was such a New Yorker and you know, she's fifteen and she had the like the personality of a of a forty year old woman. Um but uh and pledging her love until she's hundred and five. And I really thought someone should find a way to introduce those two. Track her down and put her in a room with Paul McCartney. Paul should. Yes, it's true. Um so, uh, assuming that everybody is still kicking, I mean, she would be, who knows, she'd be 65 now. I, I didn't realize that you had not seen it all this time. I would have pushed yeah. you on that a lot harder <laughs> at the time. Yeah. I yeah. I think that's possibly, I think that's at least in the top three best rock documentaries ever, best music documentaries ever. That's fantastic. It I'm just lets all I the footage do the talking, and it doesn't. Yeah. Just a really fantastic yeah. job. I, I I think that's incredible that movie. Uh, I yeah, I thought it was. Um, I mean, I do sort of wish I'd seen it in the other order because I could have more fully appreciated what they did with Eight Days a Week if I hadn't then had Get Back in the way. In the sense that there's, I just really like Get Back a lot. I guess to put my final take on it is that, uh, yeah, it's. Um, it's an extraordinary, an extraordinary uh, ten hours of music history, but also glimpse into people and a band and the creative process, and you know, being uh, generous and being not generous. I mean, some of that stuff with Paul, where he's telling people what to do, doesn't it doesn't fit with the sort of warmth that i feel for him when i see him it's it's uh it's weird not that he was tyrannical or like he was uh you know 
it's, Roseanne. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 great to have this thing sort of dispel the common the common perception that you know they they were hating each other and breaking you know and starting to to fissure apart. Because I right. think if anything, this thing kind of conveys, you know, these aren't four guys who don't like each other anymore, who, you know, feel forced to do something. I see this more as four guy, four, four friends at heart who are like desperate to get back to that that magical thing that that right. that brought them together originally and was so fun and invigorating, and. Mm-hmm. You know, just realizing they're 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 different lads now. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting uh, tagging up on what you just said that the first version of this same footage that was cut together as "Let It Be" has built into those words like a "Leave it alone." It's over. Right. Don't worry about it. It's right. Done. And that, and that, God bless Peter Jackson said, "No, we're going to get back. We're going to get back to this." And you just had, yep. I think, inadvertently built that into your language of describing this idea of them sort of returning to each other, and and still, um, yeah, there's no doubt that that their contributions uh, culturally and historically. I mean, even in, oh God, I keep wrapping up, and then I keep jumping back in. In eight days a you week, try to wrap up as they're in. touring the country. As they're touring the country, they're encountering um, segregation while they go. And it suddenly started to remind me a little bit of uh, Summer of Soul. Hmm. Um, c- clearly not anywhere near as sort of pointed and, and the, the, the light on race in America is so much um, brighter and more clearly focused in Summer of Soul. But um, I don't know. Never mind. Cut all that out. Uh, Before we put the final button on this, I, I yes. would like to, uh, if I may, I would just like to clarify a remark that I made in the first part of our oh. two-part Beatles okay. thing. I okay. had said that uh, I, I proclaimed that Yoko Ono was on the way to becoming a great artist, and then she met John, <laughs> and he fucked everything up. And uh, what I meant to say what I wanted to say or convey was that Yoko was on the way to having the career of a great artist okay she already was a great artist (laughs) I see okay and could have been just an artist for the rest of her life okay instead (laughs) all got mucked up with that rock and roll stuff from that long hair yes well uh speaking for most of humanity uh, i'm sorry that she didn't uh stick to her guns and stay the fuck out of it and go on ahead and do her thing because we might have had a different result we might not have this beautiful documentary to watch about their you know final days together if she hadn't been there to ruin it no i i feel less like she ruined it than i used to but uh you and I need to you're going to need to coach me through uh, her as a great artist I'm going to need to, someone to walk me through not on, not on air not right now oh, we're going to need okay, some alcohol right. although if anyone wants it just say so we can make it some bonus content oh no <laughs> can I can I ask for us not to do that 
Um, but yes, right. We'll get more. We'll get more requests to not, not have so that funny. bonus. You step up and you go. Go. I want to correct something about something I said before, and then you pick the thing that I thought was the most insane from the previous one, and instead of just <laughs> for the record wiping it off. Well, for the record, I didn't say correct. I you said clarify. Down. Clarify. You doubled down on. The- on the most ridiculous part of it. But I do, I take your opinion far too seriously in other arenas. Not to trust that you have some valid point of view in this one. But, um, oh my God. Well, thank you for clarifying that. Uh, <laughs> Any laugh, time. Any laugh time. myself to sleep. Uh, that's fantastic. <laughs> okay. Well, it, you know what? It's time to wrap this one up. Indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. It truly wouldn't be the same without you. For now, and until next time, the doctors are out. Well, you know, that's uh, that's the swinging rock life, babe.